We live in a world plagued by pornography, and people are looking for help. When an individual struggles with pornography, they often turn to their church leader for that help. How does a leader help a person overcome the shame of this issue and start seeing positive progress? How can a leader help youth to open up about struggles with pornography? What are some lasting, proven tactics that actually make a difference? In order to help, Leading Saints has created the Liberating Saints Library with more than 20 presentations featuring individuals who have a unique perspective or expertise around this topic. Three of those most popular sessions are available to watch now. Simply text the word LEAD to 474747 to start watching now or visit leadingsaints.org liberating. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, much like this podcast. We have articles at leadingsaints.org you should check out. A weekly newsletter you should subscribe to that also has unique content. So let's jump into this week's episode. Today is another segment of How I Lead, where we're talking with a, a leader somewhere in this world. And today, that leader is Melanie Stroud. How are you, Melanie? Good. How are you doing, Kurt? Very good. Now, you're sort of uh, halfway famous, as I tell my kids that I'm halfway <laughs> famous. Uh, you've got a platform. and <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with your, your voice. You live in Surprise, Arizona. And so if maybe people aren't as familiar with what you do online. Uh, how do you introduce yourself? Okay. Um, my name is Melanie Wellman Stroud, and I have a podcast called Come Follow Me for Us. And I had been married for 23 years and got divorced in, well, actually like the second week of Come Follow Me for us. The second week of the podcast, my divorce was final. But in the fall of 2018, I was having a really hard time. And, you know, I'd been a stay-at-home mom for 23 years. I had five children. This was my life. And now all of a sudden I was going to be divorced and not only just divorce, but not a mom every other week, you know, every other week, my kids were going to switch. And so things were really hard. I went and got a blessing from my brother-in-law and in the blessing, it said something to the effect of you have a talent, you know what it is. It's time to share it with the world. And I was like, I don't even know what that, you know, and I got thinking and I thought, well, people like to hear me teach lessons and speak, you know, at firesides and stuff. And so then one thing led to another and someone said, well, you should start a podcast. And I went and got a microphone and like talked in my closet, you know, like <laughs> I love Jesus. It was just really weird talking to nobody. And so I kind of just put that away and, and I didn't really have anything to say. And then one of my friends said, well, why don't you do it on come follow me? Because come follow me starting and none of us really know, you know, what to do with it. And so I thought, well, that'll at least give me something to talk about. So I recorded one and I'm not lying, Kurt. It was like 1 a.m. on December 31st. I'm Googling how to publish a podcast. Like I didn't even know, you know, so I publish it and I put it on my face, personal Facebook page. Like I started a podcast. I'm going to do it every week about come follow me. And that was it. I really did think that maybe like people in my stake and my extended family would listen. And just by word of mouth, it kind of spread and went crazy. And now, you know, like, I don't know, almost two and a half million downloads later, people have just told people like, that's it. There's never yeah. been, any, you know, anything advertising or anything, but it's been 
something that's turned into my whole life. And it's been really sweet. And it's been a really, I mean, an answer to my prayers as much as anything else. So yeah, that's great. That's cool. So there's lots of options out there for come follow me, you know, supplemental resources or getting others perspectives on the weekly lesson. And so how do you categorize yours? Like if people come and start listening to your podcast, what, what kind of flavor should they get? Different. Well, people say I'm real. And so I guess that's the thing. Like maybe sometimes I think I even put too much of my story out there, (laughs) you know, like, well, this is a dumb thing I did yesterday or here's where I messed up on this. But I think I'm kind of silly you know, I sometimes go a little off course and say a funny story or something. And I'm more, you know, I really like the podcast. I mean, the other podcasts that are out there, I've listened to John, by the way, their podcast, so much information, really good guest speakers. I think mine is more a practical application. Like here's how these scriptures work for me. Here's how I apply this lesson to my life and how you can apply it to your life. So I guess I'm just more like, this is for the everyday Joe, who's not a scriptorian, who's not, you know, yeah. whatever, but this is how this can bless our lives. Yeah. So if you want the, the PhDs or the, you know, deep historians, yeah. uh, there's other options for that, but for a real, just everyday mom, individual person who's yeah. trying to apply the, the gospel, that's a good yeah. option. So that's, that's cool. it. Like real life. That's what everyone like, I love you because you're real. I don't know what. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's great. Any like uh, any fast tips uh, as far as come follow me goes, like or any mistakes you see people make or frustrations they run into that maybe you could you could help us with? Yeah. So one of the things in the manual, it says it says use this resource in whatever way is beneficial to you. And I think sometimes people have taken it like, oh, we have one hour less of church. So we have to do one hour of come follow me, or we have to study it every night with our families or, and then people like see other people like, oh, I made this mobile. That's, you know, Joseph Smith and Liberty (laughs) jail. And our kids like acted it all out. And I think people look at each other and go, oh, you know, crud, I'm not doing all that. I'm not doing enough. And so then they get burned out and then they don't like it. And I've had a lot of people write to me lately, like my kids are sick of it. You know, we're sick of it. And I think it's because they were trying to do too much. And I think that it's a great way to study at home. It's a great way to supplement it, but we don't have to go crazy. And, and I think Satan is really good at taking something amazing, like come follow me and making us not want to do it because we feel like we have to do it too much. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. And and we sort of, I think it's just a human thing. And we as humans like to, you know, have, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. We got to do the right way. And sometimes there's not a right way. So we make up a right way and then we overburden ourselves. Right. Right. And we compare ourselves to other people because I know, especially women, like, Oh, we really do that. And there's a lot of resources out there to do little family home evenings and to do all the things. And I think, Satan wants us to burn out and he wants us to be too busy. And I think that we can do come follow me in a way that benefits our family. That doesn't put us in the loony bin and make our kids hate it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I love that. Very good. Um, So let's transition. I'm curious to, to understand more about your leadership experience. You've been a relief society president and a stake young women's president, anything like memorable come to mind as far as, 
when you were asked to serve in those callings? Is there a story that's uh, behind any of those? <laughs> well, I guess when I was called to be the Relief Society president, my ex-husband was in his second year of dental school and I had a baby who was six weeks old and a two-year-old. And my baby had been born six weeks early. So he was basically like zero. And I was young. How old was I? Like 26 or 27. And it was a brand new ward, like not a calling in place, not a visiting teaching route, nothing. It was a brand new ward. And the bishop came over and asked me, and I had been feeling it like during the week. And I thought, why this can't be me like so he came over and he was talking to my husband and stuff I thought oh phew it's for him and then he turned to me and said I want you to be the relief site president and I was super overwhelmed I was young I didn't know what I was doing and it made it especially hard that it was a new ward because that was like an extra burden of putting all the callings in place plus we were from Arizona and we were in Virginia. So we only knew kind of the dental students. And when the ward got split to make this new ward, I didn't know anybody. So I had to call counselors and everything in a ward of people I didn't know. And so it was a real immersion by fire because I really had to rely on the Lord. And that's what was awesome about it because I was so clueless. I had to get help and I had some cool things happen. If you want to hear stories, I had like some cool stories where the Lord just jumped in and helped. Cool. Yeah. And and how would you describe the, the demographics of that ward or that relief society at that time? It was a family ward. It was not a student ward. And we did have quite a few students. I think we had like 10 couples, 15, 10 around 10 couples in the ward that were actual dental students. But then it was a regular family ward. We had older people. We had younger people. Um, It was a regular family ward. Nice. So as we do on these How I Lead interviews, I had you write uh, just a simple list of maybe some leadership principles that uh, either helped you in the moment or maybe if you could go back in time, you'd hopefully use these a little bit more. But Mm -hmm. um, And the first one's a, a big buzzword that we hear a lot, you know, in church leadership, and that is delegate. So how did you go about delegating? Well, I, I realized a couple months in, I was sitting in a sacrament meeting and everyone was getting up and bearing their testimony. They're like, I know Melanie Wellman is true. She's the best. And, you know, people were getting up like one after another. And I was like, something's wrong here. And I realized I had been running around taking care of everything. Like, okay, okay, I'll do this. I'll do this. Because I think sometimes as women, we don't delegate because we don't want to put anybody out. We don't want to make anybody do too much, you know, so I'll just do it. And I realized in that sacrament meeting, like something's not right here. Like this isn't the Melanie show and it needs to be everybody, you know? And so I got better at that point. And I had super capable counselors and an amazing secretary. And I learned that when the calls came to me, then they should filter out, you know? And I've since worked in a Relief Society presidency with another Relief Society president who was the most amazing person, but she would never let it filter out. And it almost burned her to the ground because she just felt like she had to take it all on herself. And so one of the things that I really liked and got serious about was visiting, teaching or ministering. You know, if somebody's having a problem in the ward, I'm going to call their ministering sister first because we're given like special keys to take care of each other. And my, my dad was one that was like, I think at the end of my life, the Lord's not going to ask me like what kind of a bishop or whatever. He's going to like, look at 
what kind of a visiting teacher was I, you know? And I think that's where I felt like I want to use visiting teachers, but I also want to use it in my life. Like it's always been an important thing to me to delegate, especially straight to the visiting teachers and home yeah. teachers. And, and ministers and ministering angels. I don't even know how to say it anymore. Right. No. <laughs> the terminology is just all right. over the map now. Right. right? <laughs> so, I, you know, you mentioned the people standing up saying, I know that Melanie's true. I mean, we sort of, uh, we almost need this figurehead of for our appreciation, right? And, and sometimes that defaults to the Relief Society president or the bishop or whatever. Yeah. And so delegating maybe helps diffuse that, that necessity of that figurehead, right? Right, right. And... I'm somebody that likes praise. I'm, I'm yeah. bad. Like, yeah, tell me I'm, good right? and I'm going to do more, you know? And so it wasn't that it was bad, but I realized that it was wrong, you know, like that I, and I wouldn't have been able to maintain it. Like there was, yeah. there's no way that, and it shouldn't be like that because we're taking blessings away from other people. If we're running around doing it all ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next one is uh, ditch the fluff. <laughs> you can tell I can just sense the the real flavor here, even in these these principles. So this is great. So how well, did you ditch the fluff? Well, I think, you know, this is talking to women a lot, too, because I don't think men sit down at the beginning of their planning meetings and say, like, what color should our tablecloths be? But I feel like sometimes in serving in the young women's and in relief society, I would sit down and before a meeting, we would say, how can we bring our sisters or these young women to Christ. And that was the main focus. And then we built out from there. And I found as a stake young women's president that young women sometimes fluffify stuff so bad. And they start on like, what notebooks are we going to make? And like, what tablecloths? And how is the curtains in the cabins and stuff? And then they don't get to the meat of what we're supposed to be doing with these groups that we're in charge of. And that's bringing them to Christ. And so, and I also thought a lot about like the poor family in my ward who just paid, not poor, everyone who just paid this special tithing funds if I'm going to take that and like go buy a bunch of stickers and garbage, I almost felt like it's like wasting the Lord's money, you know? And so I think that you can do very good activities and meetings with less fluff, with less decorations and stuff and, and more focus on the meat of the matter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Next principle you put down is use the materials you are given. And this may be along the same, same vein, right? Right. Well, this actually is so funny. I got a, a Instagram message from somebody like three days ago that said, I just want to tell you one of the things I really like about your podcast is you stick to the manual. And I do. I go through like the first section says 76, you know, one through five, we can blah, blah, blah. And I don't, sometimes I'll find a scripture in there that I really like that's not mentioned in the outline. And I rarely go there because I really believe that the manuals are inspired by Heavenly Father. And it would drive me crazy sometimes as a Relief Society, you know, in Sunday school or Relief Society or something where the lesson would be on like tithing and the person teaching would go off and give a thousand quotes from other places and scriptures and not get to what was in the manual. And I think that we're lucky. We're so fortunate that we've been given these great tools. And I think often as teachers and leaders, a lot of times we don't use them 
or we don't think it's interesting enough. And if you even read the questions in the manual, they're good questions. And so I just think it's unfortunate sometimes when people get a topic and run off on their own and don't stick with the script, especially with Come Follow Me, because there's a reason they've picked the scriptures that they have in there. In yeah. the manual. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it makes it sure makes preparation and, and delivery a lot easier when you just stick with what's there and, and right. Yeah. Makes for right. better. And, and, and maybe sometimes people don't feel like it's as interesting, but I feel like the questions, especially the questions asked, the church really wants us thinking about that because all the questions in the manuals really have a lot to do with how this applies to our life. And sometimes I think people will get into a lesson and they want to talk about how far Jerusalem is from this place or, you know, the custom of the time and spend way too much time on things that aren't going to get me to heaven, you know, that aren't going to bring me closer to Christ. And I think that the things in the manual and the questions that they ask are meant to bring us to Christ. And some of the other background stuff, while it's nice, at least in our lessons at church, especially, I think we need to stick with what's in the manuals because it's inspired. Yeah. And um, I think it's pretty typical. I assume your, your words the same for Relief Society. They typically, uh, you know, go through the, some conference talks. Yeah, um, yeah. Just from your like, from your come follow me experience, any tips or ideas about teaching a general conference talk in the setting of relief society? Right. Well, one of the things that I lack in the podcast is being able to ask questions. And I love hearing what people have to say, you know? And so I think in all of us can go home and read those lessons by ourselves, and all of us can watch them a million times, but getting a conversation going and really just asking, has anybody had an experience where they've applied this principle in their life? Like, tell me how this is working for you. Tell me what you did after you heard this talk. Like, how did this change you? How is it helping you? Because that's what we want to know. And I find when I do the podcast, or even when you listen to general conference, what do you like? You like the stories, you know? So when we get together and we discuss things in the manual, we're telling the stories of how we're living it. And I think that's, what's interesting is just to really get in and have other people bear their testimonies about how the principle helps them. Yeah. And I I love that emphasis on story. And, And oftentimes I see the mistake where, you know, maybe a general authority or somebody tells a great story, right? That's maybe funny or it's really inspiring. And so we try and retell it. But man, if we can pull the stories out of those people in the room of, of how these doctrines and principles have really uh, inspired their lives, like those are the stories that one, we haven't heard them before, you know, most likely. And two, it's going to sort of bond everybody in the group, right? Right. It bonds us and it motivates us. Like, yeah. oh, you know, like if Kim did that, then so can I, you know, because sometimes even general conference is far away, you know, like those people are a step away from us. So, you know, well, yeah, if Bonnie, you know, whatever does this, she's still amazing. And I'm just this normal human, but someone in my ward is living it and having these experiences, then I can too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Any other tips as far as teaching from general conference or is that, is that a good, um, No, I just say, get the discussion going. And that's the hard part for me, the blah, blah, blah in my closet by myself. But I do think that that's important just to let people talk. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, you know, going back to this principle of use what materials are, are given, like, again, this is an opportunity to, to really simplify everything, not just through teaching manuals or teaching instruction, but also through handbooks, like going back to the basics. And because sometimes we assume that every Relief Society has, does this thing that you've been doing for years and reality has just sort of happened, right? Right, right. Yeah. All right. The fourth principle is maybe use the Book of Mormon as often as you can. Well, okay, I hate that I wrote maybe in there because throw <laughs> that out. Use the Book of Mormon as much as you can. I am the biggest fan of the Book of Mormon. Like it is the thing that's going to keep our testimonies in place. That's going to keep us locked into the gospel. When the early saints went out to spread the gospel, all they had was the Book of Mormon. They didn't have, you know, fancy anything. That's it. They didn't even yeah. have missionary guides. They had the Book of Mormon and that's where everybody was converted. And I had an experience one time where we were out to dinner and we had learned of another family that had left the church and I came home and I was mad. Like we were talking about it and I was like, how come everybody is leaving the church? You know, and I was kind of slamming my stuff around, getting ready for bed. And I had a thought come into my mind and it was so clear. It could have been a voice that said, if you don't read the Book of Mormon every day, you'll follow them out. And I was like, what are you talking about? I love the church. I would never leave. But it was a scary warning to me. And I think the fact that the Book of Mormon is has such power to keep the adversary out of our life, to straighten out when we get confused, it's powerful. And so I think if we can bring it up in our lessons, if we can really, really encourage people in whatever area we're in to read it every day. Uh, it, right now we're in the Doctrine and Covenants in for Come Follow Me. Right. And I tell people all the time, you better be reading the Book of Mormon every day. Like, don't let Come Follow Me take the place of the Book of Mormon because it shouldn't. We should be studying the Book of Mormon every day, even before we're studying Come Follow Me. And because the Book of Mormon is the keystone of our religion. And there's such a power in it. Like, I just, I don't know. I carry extra ones in the plane. I give them out to people all the time. I even have like a thing on my phone now where you can just take a picture of it, the code, and it just puts the Book of Mormon on people's phones. And oh, cool. I just... I dig it. I love the Book of Mormon. And I really do think it's what kept me and my testimony grounded when my ex-husband left, like family members, everybody. And I think I've had one thing after another kind of just this camera's opposite thrown at me. And I think I stayed strong because of my faithfulness in reading the Book of Mormon and turning to it when I had questions. Yeah. And that, that's you sort of answered the question I was going to ask as far as like, as we have this tradition of going through the standard works and come follow me and focusing on, you know, different books of scripture. Is it mainly just making sure you always make some time for the Book of Mormon or are you constantly trying to integrate the Book of Mormon into the come follow me lesson or outline? I don't, I'm not always trying to integrate it. I talk about it, like put your face in the Book of Mormon or I'll tell experiences a lot. Like, well, when, this happened to me and I'll bring up verses, you know, because it's just in my brain. I mean, that's just what happens because a lot of times when I'm studying the lesson, thoughts will come in. Well, that's scripture from the Book of Mormon or whatever, you yeah. know, but I just encourage people all the time to read it. I'm writing a book right now about studying it the way my mission president taught us to study it. And oh, cool. I just so I think I encourage people more to do that. And, you know, people write in on the reviews, a lot of the reviews on the Apple podcasts are 
she taught me how to read the Book of Mormon so that I could hear the voice of the Lord. And I love the Book of Mormon because of this podcast. And that's what I love, hands down. Like, I hope you learned some history about the Doctrine and Covenants. And I think the Doctrine and Covenants obviously is inspired and there's great things in there. But the Book of Mormon is where the power is to change our lives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, just pivoting a little bit more towards your time as a stake young women's president. I assume that was a bit of time after being the Ward Relief Society president, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel maybe you weren't as young or unprepared for that? Or maybe we always feel <laughs> I, unprepared? Yeah, maybe a little bit more. But I had three out of my five kids in that calling. I was in there for eight years. And, you know, I'm throwing up on the back camp of Trek and in the <laughs> bathrooms at girls camp, you know, and I, I did spend a lot of hard years. I went through postpartum depression in that calling, you know, so wow. I felt like maybe I was a little overwhelmed because my family needed more from me, but I had learned to delegate a little bit better. And being a state young women's president is much easier than being the ward young women's president. Yeah. Like ward is every week, you know, and stuff. And we had camp and camp was another thing that I loved because I think maybe that my podcast is like this too. Like I like to laugh and have a good time and then feel the spirit and then laugh and feel the spirit like and that's what we did at camp we ran around had a great time and then had really spiritual nights and i have girls now i mean it was 20 years ago that are writing to me and saying that was one of the best times of my life i loved that camp the things you taught me at camp that i remember your stories you know whatever so i think with that it was relating with the girls and having fun like i don't i think sometimes people think the gospel is so like strict and we're not like Pharisees counting steps every Sunday, you know, like I think heavenly father, you know, Jay Golden Kimball said something once about like, we need to get people in a mood to take what we have to get them. Like, you know, we just need to be happy and have a good time. And that's what we did in the stake with the young women's. And it was money, man, just to have like a fun time and laugh and, tell the stories. I just, I think that's one of the things about the podcast that people like is the stories. And I just would tell these girls, here's how the gospel works, you know, for me. And I think, and then I would always share scriptures. I was always back my stories with scriptures and it locks it in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. If, if someone like a youth leaders ask you for advice on, you know, how to connect with the youth or, you know, just being because that dynamic of a youth leader and the youth, there's sometimes to be a large divide there and it's yeah. hard to overcome and really connect. Any any device there? Um, you know, I, I thought about that as people wrote me and said, oh, you know, we loved when you were a stake young women's president and stuff. And even now when they do. And I thought I don't remember my stake young women's presidents when I was young. And I think because they were behind the scenes, you know, like yeah. doing the work. And I think. Maybe it was get in the trenches with them, like find out what they love, like and be silly. I think the fact that I could run around like I would climb up their windows and like hold the flashlight under my face, you know, and then jump down and run out, you know. And so I had that friendship with them, even as a stake leader. I was kind of running crazy with them in the evenings and stuff. And I think but then when it was get serious time, like I wasn't just a spaz leader. But then once I had had fun with them 
And then we sat down and had the good spiritual discussions and the stories, you know, because then we're bonded through fun, but then we're bonded by the spirit. And yeah. and that was fun. And in the ward situation, because I was a ward young women's president here for about a year until I married someone who lives in Georgia. And now every other week I'm back and forth. And so I think when I became a ward young women's president, I really found the value in letting the girls do it. And yeah. that's hard because we want to have the best young women's in excellence. Right. And we want to have it all fluffy and all the things. And I was like, you do it. You guys, you plan it. You carry it out. You let me know what you need me to help buy or go get all help, but it's on you. And yeah. I think that was really good to have some confidence in them and to let them fail. Guess what? That was a bomb. You guys, you have to bring the food. You didn't get there early and set anything up, you know, like that was a mess, but luckily it was a mess in our ward setting with just your friends, you know, so let them fail there so that when they get to be the relief site president or they get to be leaders later in life, they will have already made the mistakes in an easier setting to make them. You know, I just yeah. think these kids are smarter and they know what they want. Like we plan dances for them all the time. Guess what? Kids don't dance. They don't like, why are we still having steak dances? Cause they don't go. They don't want to like, what do we have? We should have like steak sit in the room and be on your phone. Cause that's all they do. But you know, like, I just think we really need to ask them what they want and let them go. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Love that. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure people know clearly where to, to find you and your podcast. So I got one more question for you, but uh, okay. where would you send them to find out more about you and your, um, you can just Google, come follow me for us. There's come follow me for us.com. It's a website, but any way you listen to podcasts, it's on Apple, it's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, Stitcher, all of those things. And I actually took three weeks off. I've never taken any time off in these two and a half years. And I took the last three weeks off because my we we're vacationing. So people are going to go, wait, there's no podcast, but it starts again on Monday and we'll continue on cool. for however long, but. Awesome. That's, that's great. That's, that's great. Well, you're definitely in my uh, the subscription queue of podcasts. So I <laughs> uh, appreciate the work you're doing and hopefully more people check it out. Yeah, Last question you. I have for you, Melanie, is as you reflect back on your time as a leader serving in various capacities, as we've talked about, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? I think it's helped me to look for the one you know, to look out for the one. I love this scene where, you know, Christ has got that woman who was taken in adultery and he gets down in the dirt right by her, you know, and he's dry, drawing in the dirt. And I think it's so he can be right there with her on the ground. He's not standing above her, you know, telling her anything. He's right there with her. And I find even with the podcast, I get a lot of people that write me and for some reason they want to tell me their whole life story. And I really try to help to connect to write to them to you know whatever and i just think it's helped me grow closer to christ because i've learned to be more forgiving to be less judgmental to be try to just be more like him 
And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this, this experience. And this is how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three most popular sessions of the Liberating Saints Library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.